you. What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the reestablishment of the DC multiverse. Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my out. Excellent! Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This episode is our first going live in October. Yeah, first week of Spooktober. This is going to be our annual month full of comics that are either in the horror genre or at least in some way spooky or tense or paranormal. And we are kicking things off with volume one of a manga titled The Summer Hikaru Died by Moku Mokurin. This series made its debut in Japan in 2021 on the digital manga platform Young Ace Up. And its English translation just started coming out earlier this year, courtesy of Yin Press, with translation credited to Ajane Olay and lettering by Abigail Blackman. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, not to get half a year ahead of ourselves, But I have a feeling that when the time comes for our second annual year in review award episode, that this is going to be sweeping some of those up. What do you think? It's definitely going to take some of them. It is just so fucking good. This one's really fucking good. So concept wise... Essentially, the conceit of this manga is that our protagonist, Yoshiki, is a high schooler. I'm pretty sure it's specifically high school, not middle school. But anyway. Yeah, it's like ninth grade. Like, it's they're young on the young end for high school, but the high school, yeah. Yeah. And... He has been friends with a boy his age named Hikaru since they were children because just growing up in a rural village, they were sort of the closest kids together age-wise and in terms of just like physical proximity. So just naturally became childhood friends. And six months prior to the events of Volume 1, Hikaru went missing for over a week after he went on a trip into some woods nearby their town, after which he came back, he was found with amnesia regarding what had happened during his disappearance. But ever since he came back, he has not been acting quite like his usual old self, Yoshiki has just been observing all of these strange mannerisms going on, differences in his speech patterns, etc., etc. And one day, in the opening scene of the manga, 
Yoshiki finally works up the courage to ask when he says, you're not the real Hikaru, are you? And he is correct. It is not yet fully clear what he is, but the new quote-unquote Hikaru appears to be something like a spirit or just some mysterious life form that has taken over Hikaru's body, essentially. I think it's, like, formed a copy of it. Like, I don't even think it's really even, like, the body being animated. I think the body is just, like, a replica. It might be, yeah. Because he says he's supposed to be a perfect copy of him. In this first scene when the face is melting away into this sort of weird conglomeration of like sometimes it's it's very fractal like less so here here it looks honestly kind of like a paisley pattern yeah there's stuff later on where it's very much like fractals which is um this patient where the face starts melting away is so good it really is yeah i guess just to since we're already there to just uh sort of continue talking about yeah, like how this opening scene is depicted and like the artwork of it and everything. Yeah, we get periodically throughout these scenes where Hikaru and because this is an audio medium, I can't differentiate between Hikaru, the original kid, and Hikaru, the imposter. But effectively, for all intents and purposes, we're almost always going to be talking about the imposter. Yeah, we don't even see it. Like, Akaru's been dead for six months before the book even starts. He's in, like, a flashback or two, but that's it. Yeah. And I'm just going to be, like, saying Hikaru throughout. Listeners, unless we specify otherwise, we mean the imposter because he's the relevant figure and we can't really just keep saying, like, quote-unquote Hikaru every time. But... Yeah, there's this frequent, or there's this repeated visual motif emphasizing the fake Hikaru's sort of supernatural and just general offness, where periodically, especially in situations where the imposter is like anxious or stressed or just like lets the facade sort of melt away he'll have this, like, black mass start seeping out or bursting out of his body. And in scene one, we get this, like, two-page sequence that you mentioned of the, like, first splash page is just Hikaru looking normal and asking why Yoshiki asked him if he's the real thing or not. And then you turn the page... And, like, for the most part, the details are all the same, except now that the right half of his face is seeping this black goo, and he has the line that you mentioned earlier of, I'm supposed to be a perfect copy of him, and it's just such an excellent immediate sell that something is wrong, and it's just... Uh, I just think it's really visually arresting. I really, it, I, like, I'm trying to think of something else I've seen with sort of 
an entity depicted this way. And, like, yeah, there's stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a sort of weird thing that seeps out of a person. I mean, honestly, it makes me think of, like, the Venom symbiote in Spider-Man Reign, where it was very much, like, an oily, drippy thing. But then the patterns inside this, that then later on in the comic, we get, like, full-page spreads of it, where it's this really, like, pretty repeating fractal pattern, which, like, that's a... It's essentially like a mathematical equation that forms shapes uh, on like a graph. And it means that like each shape, and it's something you actually see in nature as well. If you take a, a the shape and then growing off of the shape is a smaller version of the shape. And growing off of that shape is smaller versions of the same shape. On and on and on and on and on. You know, and you can you can look at a fractal and you can zoom in on it. And it will be the same no matter how long, how much you zoom in because of the way that the equation that forms the like patterns of it. And when you can actually see that sometimes in nature, like certain objects will, when you have them like is like some stuff has those repeating patterns as well. Like uh, a lot of shells apparently have some like fractals uh, in terms of the way that they're shaped. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, like it's a good example of how to take a sort of, I guess, amorphous shifting mass all of the Venom symbiote and just make it work really effectively. Like, you know, you've mentioned fractals. You mentioned the sort of Paisley patterns. It invokes different things at different times. I think is part of what really works about it in terms of both just visually looking really interesting and also just selling the horror and the sense of the unknown. Because like besides all the things we've talked about already, I also think it has sort of a like microscopic life form sort of thing to it. Like it sort of makes me think of like under the microscope amoebas and like tiny very inhuman sort of life forms you know it has a very like sludge sort of feel to it a la an algae or just that whole concept of like i know this is a living thing but it feels about as far away from humanity as a living thing can be you know like no face no eyes none of the sort of shared characteristics that sort of help us feel closer to other creatures like say a cat or a dog like common features that help us identify with them there's just nothing and it also is just this sort of literal representation of the fact that whatever this creature is, you know, whether it is a fully copied body or is like inhabiting the body, either way is inhabiting this social role and concept of Hikaru and just the way that it's like lurking underneath of this human face but never quite perfectly replicating it and just always that eerie 
fear lurking beneath it, which one detail of this opening scene that I really love when they're talking, basically they're hanging out, having just gotten some ice cream at a store, and we see Yoshiki's just sort of like trying to build up the nerve to ask and a detail specifically cluing us in on this Hikaru's strange behavior is when Yoshiki points out how he's mispronounced a word, specifically when Hikaru says the word torture, but he pronounces it more like torture, as in like for sure, like Yoshiki comments on how he's fucking up the intonation. So just like the small sort of thing of like, here is this being sort of like trying at replicating human speech, but fucking up just slightly in a way that's very clearly unnatural. And I just love the way small details are so effective here. I really do. It's so good. There's also this bit on on the page after the first reveal of the Black Mass, where it's interacting with the word balloon. Oh yeah, it's kind of like holding it's wrapped it up. around. Yeah, it's holding up the word balloon as he's sort of begging uh, Yoshiki not to tell anyone. And like, this thing is so unnatural that it is actually breaking the fourth wall. It's doing a Deadpool, but like in a creepy way. Not Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> It's doing a She-Hulk, but in a creepy way. Yeah. <laughs> She-Hulk did it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much to love in this book that I don't think I had even really, prior to this, fully noticed and appreciated the way that, yeah, sometimes the mass is like holding up the balloon. That's really cool. We get throughout, like, a good amount of variety in terms of, like, the line width and also general shaping of ward balloons throughout to reflect both, like, differentiations between when Hikaru is, like, keeping the facade up versus letting it fall apart or also just reflecting characters' emotional states you know, if the line's sort of getting more fluid and jagged when characters are freaked out and in a less solid state of mind. There's just a lot of really, really good stuff going on with the lettering here. Yeah, I'm assuming this is translating over stuff done with the lettering originally, but, like, also the team that, that re-lettered this, well done especially working with the word balloons just being the wrong shape. It's really nice. It's really excellent, yeah. And on the note of lettering, this isn't a word balloon thing, but sound effect-wise, I have to note, and this recurs throughout, but is also present in this opening scene, there is this constant use of vertical sound effects of buzzing noises which on a literal level are the noises that cicadas make a very classic just like manga anime japanese media 
shorthand for summer just being the cicada noise but here it does such a good job of like amping up the tension even further being sort of like just a dull stimulus in the background you know to just contrast Hikaru all the more against just like the natural phenomenon going on in the world and it's also just one more added thing of just like the constant stimulus in Yoshiki's now just horrifying life and I really like it especially in this first scene it um builds up like it the, there's like in the pages preceding the page where he actually asks Hikaru if he's real or not or if he's the real one or not it's present throughout and then it builds more and more as you get closer to asking and right before he actually drops the question the panel is just full of buzzing effects like it's sort of replicating a thing you would see like if, if this was you know, a, a film or something, you'd have the sound of the sort of come up to indicate like the level of anxiety about this that Yoshiki, Yoshiki sorry, is feeling. It's really, really effective. It's just like really, really good work. Yeah, like it's a really great representation of that sort of like sonic like crescendo and then dying down and bursting back up sort of thing. So when Yoshiki asks Hikaru if he's the real one, as Hikaru is sort of falling apart, like he has the black ooze seeping down out of half of his face, he leans in and he hugs Yoshiki and he tells him, Please don't tell anyone. This is the first time I've lived as a human. School, friends, ice cream. I'm enjoying all of them for the first time ever. I may be borrowing this body and personality, but my feelings for you are real. So please, I don't want to kill you. And the eye on the half of his face that still looks human is crying and he's clutching on to Yoshiki's back tightly as Yoshiki is freaking out and also crying and we get this like interior narration from Yoshiki in which he says at any rate Hikaru's not around anymore if that's how it is then I want you to be by my side even if you are fake. And Yoshiki tells Hikaru that it's nice to meet him. And this relationship is the core of the manga and is very messy, in which we essentially have all of the pain and confusion caused by Yoshiki's deep feelings for the real Hikaru, sort of affecting his feelings toward the imposter who he can't just write off as an imposter because, well, we'll get into the whole 
gay nature of it, but there's all of that with him on his side. And then we have the Hikaru entity who seems legitimately to really be enjoying his time with Yoshiki. So they both have these really twisted but deeply felt feelings toward each other. And it's really just the story of their intense friendship and their intense horror at the situation they're in. And I guess to just start off with Yoshiki's side of it, we get a lot of flashbacks throughout. And then just like the way that certain dialogue in the present throughout is delivered also adds to this. But though he never has like a straightforward caption inner monologue or like spoken statement saying this, it's very clear that he had romantic feelings for the old Hikaru, but they either weren't reciprocated or he simply never knew they were reciprocated because naturally, you know, we can read into it that he would have been terrified to ever say anything about it. So a large part of what really hits for me in this story is just like how specifically rooted in that sort of like a real world gay terror the situation is and the psychological turmoil is for Yoshiki because he had this friend who he never dared to tell the true nature of his feelings to and now that friend is gone and there's this thing still in his life that loves spending time with him and wants to be around him. And it's not the real thing, but it's really hard for him to push that away because it's just in the guise of this person he cared for so much. And it's just really fucking good. Yeah, it's it's never like something that anyone says on the page, but it is so painfully obvious that it doesn't have to be like at least not in not in so many words i i don't think like my feelings for you are real is is pretty indicative but like yeah it's it's just sort of unclear in that like incredibly sort of yeah like you don't know what the real hikaru would have said because we don't really know the real hikaru well enough to know and neither did yoshiki unfortunately for him, before he's wound up with this horrific imposter who was still, like, so close to the real thing as to almost make no difference, but, like, there is a difference, and it's it's so fucking good. The anxieties of it just go up a whole extra level. Yeah, and, like, there is, of course, the level to it of just like, oh, here's this horror of what if you could still be around and spend time with and be loved by this loved one of yours who is deceased, except it's not actually them. And so much is the same. And if anything, occasionally they're even more outwardly loving 
but it's just off enough that you know it's not them. And it's just total emotional mindfuck. It's so good. And with regards to, you know, like feelings and how explicitly or rather non-explicitly they're put into wards, stories like this that never have a blatant on-panel, like, quote-unquote, I'm gay statement. I mean, nothing yet. I feel like a kiss is perfectly possible in a later volume. Yeah. But, like, at least as of where this volume is, I think that storytelling like this, where things are alluded to, and if they're clear, it's still not by way of an actual definitive statement. I think things like this are often among the most emotionally affecting depictions of gay characters to me personally, because of just the nuance and how effectively it's used to convey that sort of horror of silence and sort of like choking inability to put things in wards because the nature of so many of the hardest parts of being gay is sort of a self-inflicted inability to be fully honest, I suppose. Um, Not sure if I'm finding the best way to put this, but you know, just... No, that makes perfect sense. Just like the horrors of the closets and the pressures of not only being able to say things directly to other people, but often not even to yourself. It's such a profound and deeply felt terror, you know? But to sort of turn things around to Hikaru's point of view, uh, the Hikaru entity specifically, this character is so fascinating to me. And... A lot of has to do with the question of where does the original Hikaru end and where does the new one begin and how do they influence each other? Because the new Hikaru has all of the old self's memories. So he sort of knows factually in his head all of these events that happened in the old Hikaru's life. And it sort of feels like, but isn't able to be clean-cut, determined, the degree to which those influence his current feelings, you know? Because, like, the entity, like it says early on, is loving living as a human. It's experiencing all these new sensations that it never got to before in its prior state. And it has all of Hikaru's old memories, but it's not really clear how much of its affection for Yoshiki is, you know, just a matter of its own feelings and Yoshiki being this figure that it's around as it's experiencing all these new things, you know, versus how much of this is also just it carrying over the affection that the old Hikaru would have had for him. It's just this really hazy connection between the two characters that doesn't have a simple, clear-cut distinction. And it's so fucking good. There's this really great Doctor Episode called It Takes You Away, 
which is kind of like this in that there's this sentient universe that's like outside of our own that doesn't have any living beings in it that desperately wants companionship and so it lures people into it self and then in order to get them to stay pretends to be dead loved ones of theirs in like this perfect dream world that it has set up and how much of this thing that isn't quite Hikaru's affection for Yoshiki comes from just a desire for companionship of any kind like is it even like would it be reacting this way to anyone who was Hikaru's close friend unclear you know like what is it getting out of this exactly not quite clear is like a huge part of the horror here which works so well because you're just sort of like okay you do like Yoshiki but would you like Yoshiki if you had come back as someone who if someone else had gone into the woods and died is it just that Yoshiki has accepted you because of his devotion to Hikaru and now you're reciprocating that could it even be like this thing is in a way just mirroring Yoshiki's feelings just because that's what it does it replicates something and like just the the unclear uncertainty about how this is all working just makes it so creepy and effective it's simultaneously you know is eerie and is a horrifying concept and is also just so emotionally poignant and you know there is this inherent sinister undertone to it all that especially ramps up as the volume goes on further and further. But it definitely sells that regardless of how dangerous it may or may not be or what the full nature of its feelings is, that in whatever twisted way this entity really does genuinely feel affection and drawn toward Yoshiki and with regards to like its ability to feel it all and what it is it says at a point that like it's not entirely sure what its own deal is and like what its past was but it has some sort of memory of being in the woods before but not having had feeling, like not experiencing any of the senses that he is able to now in human form, which is its own sort of interesting question of just like, what the hell is this thing? What would it be like to be some sort of consciousness with a memory, but without anything that we would recognize on a sensory level? It's all just interesting. It's just really fucking cool. But as the story goes on, we get like characters returning to the woods and referencing to strange events in the woods, mysterious deaths in the area. We get the sense that whatever this creature is may have a sinister air to it. Or that there may also be 
these other creatures in the woods and how do these sort of mystery entities all relate to each other and to just like this sense of unease and danger about the town. We get this flashback to Hikaru and presumably either like his dad or his granddad, like a male in the family sort of telling him about this being in the woods and how it's promised not to harm anyone in their family, but it will harm other people. And I think it just does a really good job of sort of drip-feeding little bits of information in such a way where just, like, structurally, the mystery and the tension just builds really effectively for me. Yeah. Um, I will say the very nice cat is very scared of Hikaru, and that's a bad fucking sign. If the cat hisses at it in a horror thing, you know, okay, yeah, this thing is not good. (laughs) This thing is a problem. It may not even know that it's a problem. That's part of the, like, the uncertainty of how much does it know now? Like, even if it is the entity that was talked about in those flashbacks, does it even know that at this point? It's it's not clear. I will also because note... Because at least there's something else in the woods. I will also note that this cat is excellent, both in its initial stroll onto panel... Is this just like sort of like newspaper comic sort of stylized, just nice fat cat? And then when it gets scared by Hikaru, we get this just like dramatic, freaked out horror image of it hissing. So we just get this wonderful dichotomy between just glorious fat cats and then screaming feline. Yeah, going full pet cemetery for a second. And yeah. then like running away immediately. Yeah. Part I think of I think a lot of how strong this comic is is not just in like how wonderful the premise is and the writing is, but also just like how good of a job it does utilizing the comic medium to just convey information early on i think in chapter two we get this double page spread as the two of them are walking together to school and it's the spread of them two like walking their bikes as dragonflies are going past leaves in the trees are you know moving with the wind and it's zoomed out in such a way that we, like, see them relatively small along just, like, this long road through the town. And it's sort of like this depiction of space doubling as a depiction of time because it really just conveys the rural setting and how long these walks together to and from school are and just like how much time they would spend bonding on a day-to-day basis. And I think the setting here too is just really evocative and heightens everything. I 
do love a town on the edge of the woods, the mysterious woods. That's always great. Yeah, there's very little that is so inherently just like great for horror is just a mysterious set of woods. Just that separation from humanity into just nature is the unknown. Which, on that topic, yeah, they they walk through the woods again at one point. There's this creepy fucking creature that Yoshiki and it's creepy. sees. It's Sorry. creepy in an entirely different way than Hikaru. That's the other thing about, like, like Hikaru is, like, whenever Hikaru is in it, it's sort of more, whatever you want to call it, black goo form. Like, it's creepy because it's this thing that's sort of melting away from this kid that's so inhuman as to be alarming. The thing in the woods is, like, something out of, um, uh, not to go back to another place of Stephen King, but, like, the It movies directed by, uh, my cat just opened the door and came in. Hi, Burns. You're not allowed to open doors mysteriously while I'm looking at this page of comics, buddy. It's too scary. Uh, God, where the hell was I? The the movies directed by, I should know this. Uh, sorry. It looks like the kind of thing that would show up in the It movies directed by Andy Muschietti or in, like, the other horror work he's done, like, um... I think it's film before that was called Mama, where it's this distorted version of the human form. So, like, this thing isn't removed from humanity. The most bizarre, frightening thing about it is what we can see of it kind of looks like an arm with a scythe on the end, but it's not a scythe. It's a human head with hair waving around as it's waving a head on the end of the this, like... Is it a long neck? Is it an arm? What is this? It's so fucking weird. It's really great. And it comes up behind Yoshiki, and we can just, you know, because of the way the panel is laid out, we can barely see any of it. But what we can see is, like, very clearly something. I think it's even wearing clothes. And it's, it's like, this distorted, descended deformation of the human form you know that if this was like a movie or something, this thing would be like really jilted and stuttery in its movements. Again, like very Andy Muschietti, he does that all the time in his movies. It's great. And it's great, and it's like great, really well done horror in just a completely different way as well, which is one of the things that I really love about it. And it also, in turn, leads to more of just like, what the fuck is Hikaru? Because we see this mystery being coming for Yoshiki but then Hikaru appeals to have swallowed it he like captures it and he says that he put it inside him so it's just like what is this being that Hikaru is that not only is he a creepy fucking whatever the hell he is but he can also apparently just consume other weird mystery shit so it's just like oh if you can just swallow the other horrors then how big of a horror are you yourself he was the apex predator in the freakiest woods in japan truly now about halfway through the book in chapter four 
we get such an incredibly fierce fucking scene following a gym class where after the two of them are just talking for a little bit in class and they're sort of reflecting on what happened when they visited the woods and Hikaru again just comments on how he quote put it inside with regards to that other spirit thing that he stopped he then says oh i know if you want after school i'll show you what's inside me and we get this sequence that is so charged of they're in like an equipment closet with like cones and various like gym class equipment. Like we see the container of all the basketballs, et cetera, et cetera. And it's them in this secluded space by themselves with these images of Hikaru, like slowly unbuttoning his shirt in front of a sitting down Yoshiki who is like nervously gripping the mat that he's sitting on and just this incredibly charged scene you know the obvious sexual energy is there we get Hikaru commenting on it says feel sort of pervy what kind of situation is this Hehe. <laughs> and Yoshiki's confused doesn't know what the hell's going on and when Hikaru is done unbuttoning his shirt we see this like black opening going down his sternum down to like right above his navel. And when I say black, I mean pure black ink, not shaded, just pure mass of black ink. So it's disrupting the sense of the world on the page because it's very much just this alien black mass which Hikaru then takes Yoshiki's hand and shoves it inside of the cavity so that we get this scene of Yoshiki literally, like, fingering and fisting Hikaru's chest and them all just, like, commenting on the coldness and the warmth of each other as... Yoshiki is just elbow deep in this weird expanse that is making Hikaru feel good and blush and talk about how good it feels as he keeps on like ripping and like the cavity like extends to start like splitting the bottom half of his face. It's so fucking fierce. It's an amazing scene. I, I feel like yeah, it's it's fairly obvious what's happening here in terms of the relationship between the two characters. It's just so well executed. It, yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to put in the words quite just how good this scene is. This is also where we get the like big page with the fractal pattern specifically, where I think this is like maybe how Hikaru like sees what's inside the black mass when he first touches it like the weird black slit god yeah this is it's just so good it's so messed up and so like weird and, and frightening 
but also like almost sweet like almost it's almost a positive experience but then it isn't because of well hikaru is this yeah yeah like it is clearly twisted but it does also still feel so intimate like it's a really great summation of the bond between these two and i think a lot of the effectiveness too comes down to just like how it's paced in terms of like the panels and the slow intro where for so many panels we get just like the action of the characters without them actually saying anything so we just like watch the anxious tension just build up and build up as these two are just alone together and you know we just know Yoshiki's heart is thumping like hell before this all happens but yeah it's fucking fierce and it's followed up by what I think is just another example of how fucking brilliant this book and this creator is because after school that day Yoshiki goes to do some grocery shopping for his family and the clerk there the cashier is this sort of like town gossip always talks to everybody never shuts up can go a mile a minute and the way that this is conveyed is that like instead of just like a bunch of pages with characters sort of going back and forth in a way as that would usually be depicted most of the conversation takes place in this single panel where we have like the two characters staring at each other in the middle and then going vertically down both the right and the left of the panel are these massive ward balloons of the cashier's tiny font uninterrupted. Yoshiki can't get a warden edgewise at all of these just paragraphs of text of just this lady saying everything and nothing about Yoshiki and his family and everyone in town and her own kids. And it so fiercely conveys the experience of listening to someone talk and just not shut up or leave room for reply. I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like this. And it's so fucking well done. I've seen the technique of using the lettering to like overwhelm the character in the page done before. Like there's some stuff that Brian Michael Bendis does in Ultimate Spider-Man, but that's like inane chatter throughout the school filling a whole page that like Peter Parker is in, sort of small and surrounded by just all this text. It's just like the overwhelming like day and being around all these people. Whereas this is like the sing like, so I guess that's a similar technique, but this is really great. In terms of just like the visuals and build up of panels really conveying like dread and characters' emotions. One more detail and specific that I'll mention is towards the end when Yoshiki visits Hikaru's house. He walks into Hikaru's room 
where Hikaru is like sleeping on the floor, sort of lazily spread out. And the way that the panels go down Hikaru's body from like his neck to his exposed midriff to his feet is this incredible like conveyance of the way that Yoshiki is looking at him and is feeling these things as he just like sees Hikaru's body and is clearly uncomfortable with the way that he is feeling and it's literally just like five panels but again it's just such an excellent conveyance of what Yoshiki is going through emotionally without needing to have any narration or thought balloon at all yeah it perfectly captures like that utterly bizarre mix of emotions that he's feeling there and really, yeah, like speaking of just like the mix of emotions, just another testament to the skill here. Yoshiki is a relatively quiet and unexpressive person, or at least like he's not flamboyant. He's not loud, you know, he's not boisterous, but the variety in or ever the complexity of his emotions throughout and just like slight shifts in his face are just so great throughout. Just this artist is so good at what they're doing. And I think plot wise, the main thing of note that we haven't really touched on yet in terms of building towards volume two and building up more suspense is that towards the end, there is this housewife character who shows up. And she talks with Yoshiki and basically there's just a bunch of stuff of her being like, I'm able to sense things that are wrong and just fucked up shit in this town. And that thing is near you, isn't it? Like you're getting really close to that thing, but you can't keep doing this or you're going to get hurt. And she just like drops these lines about how once long ago her husband returned and then it ended up hurting her son and like we don't get a lot of information but just enough to be like oh shit oh shit oh shit and yeah just really effective raising of the tension as the volume sort of nears its close well also the way that the Hikaru creatures like the, he's so possessive of Yoshiki like it's so attached to him in like a way that like if he had said well, I mean it's made clear that point, if he had tried to tell other people this wasn't Hikaru he would have killed him if he hadn't really kept pretending everything was okay and kept being his friend he would have killed him like that's made clear from the beginning and so there's also the implied threat keeps sort of coming back up. Uh, you know, it, that's always there in the background as you're reading every scene that they have. And as he's getting more and more frightened of what Hikaru is, and Hikaru is able to tell, like he looks at his phone and sees texts from the um, 
the 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 woman who sort of knows about whatever stuff this is, at least knows a little bit, has had a prior experience like this, then it, it it sort of becomes not that it's a very healthy relationship with the um the weird thing that's taken over the body or replicated the body of your dead friend, but it starts becoming like a more explicitly emotionally abusive relationship between the two of them. With the way that Hikaru is now like trying to manipulate Yoshiki in like this really interesting way. Yeah. And it all just sort of fits this conception that Yoshiki is effectively Hikaru's entire world. Because again, it's this being that is not human undergoing a shift in experience and like a way of living that is so far outside the realm of human experience that there's really no giving an equivalent for it and Yoshiki's just like you know this main anchor in his life so it makes sense why he's so attached to him even though it's you know obviously incredibly unhealthy and so much of what's so poignant is wrapped up in that and just like this is not just a straightforwardly simply malevolent figure you know like for as much of a danger as it poses and as much sense of dread as there still is and as much room for us to see how this turns out it really does feel like in whatever twisted, potentially abusive, unhealthy way, you know, it feels like this entity does truly have these incredibly intense feelings, and it's just two fucked-up boys having real fucked-up feelings about each other, and it's just incredible. This comic is so fucking incredible. Yeah, this is really fucking good. What did you think of the diner being themed after America and having dishes such as the America Mega Deluxe Mountain President ice cream? Oh, I love that. That was funny. Yeah, it's really cute. I I can't imagine making... Well, I guess America does have a cuisine, but I don't think of it that way because I live here and, like, Frankly, I don't know why if you lived somewhere with better food, you would want to make American cuisine themed restaurants. But yeah, no, it, it, that was that was funny. But it's like trying for this 50s diner aesthetic. Yeah, the humor of novelty. Yeah, it's it's like Silver Diner. But, you know, it's made by people who have like looked at pictures of Silver Diner, but maybe not been in one because they're in Japan and it's got that like anyway, I, I think it's it's about time that Japan just made a whole bunch of ridiculous mashups of American things just to get back at um, all of X-Men comics for existing every time Wolverine goes to Japan and it's like the feudal era for some reason just do a bunch of Japanese comics about where America is just like a 1950s diner yeah. Where everyone eats donuts. On a more serious note, there is at least one more page that I really want to know artistically where 
Yoshiki is at his desk after school, like after it's let out and everyone else has already left. And he's staying there wallowing in his fears and his confusion, just thinking over this mixture of memories of his time with Hikaru and the things that the housewife has told him. And we get this incredible page of... He's like slumped over on his desk, you know, like head against the surface of the desk. And it's just like this drip effect of like his head, his pants, his face, just like these long vertical lines of him just melting in his desk. And meanwhile, the entire background of the room has disappeared there's just this sort of like faint gray dividing line at the bottom of the desk, but it's not really like a realistic floor. It's all just very like removed from reality as it's just like him just mentally falling apart from the stress of it all. It's fierce. Looks like a complete cute of like glitch effect that you see a lot in things now. You know, like YouTubers who are trying to look cool will do something that looks kind of like this, but it's normally like sideways and they're doing it to text. But this is just like so good at capturing that like emotion and that moment. However long that moment lasts, because it's really unclear how long he's there, but just how long that moment feels. Yeah. And it's interrupted, of course, by Hikaru finally arriving and you touched on it a bit before of just like the abusive feeling of the scene and the clinginess and like Hikaru reaching out and like clutching him by the wrist and inadvertently or not hurting him. And I'll just quote some of this. I'm useless without you, Yoshiki, because you're my first. I just don't know. What's really my feelings or his at this point? This is so hard. What am I supposed to do? I know it ain't right, but I still like you, and I can't stop my feelings. And we turn the page, and the just, like, black gunk has exploded this time upward out of the side of his face and is, like, this giant ooze seeping against gravity, painting against the ceiling above them. And then you turn the page again to this double page spread of like Yoshiki and his arm just surrounded by the enveloping black chaos of just like Hikaru just melting outward. And text-wise, we just end with the repetition of what the woman had said of you must know it too, that you can't keep being with your friend like this. And that's how the volume ends. Also, in this, and I think only in, in this spread, the, like, Hikaru creature in it are, like, reflections of buildings and signs I'm going to call it reflections because of the way that they're distorted. I'm like, what is this thing? How is it like 
it it's like it's reflecting the town and the space that it's in maybe i don't know it's 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 really good yeah that's the end of the story proper as with a bunch of manga volumes we get a brief little like side bonus chapter at the very end of this cute exchange that's just sort of like about like how Yoshiki likes keeping his bangs long because he doesn't like looking at people directly and Hikaru gets him these like cat-shaped hairpins for him to keep his hair out of his eyes as he's studying so it's this like legitimately like sweet cute little gift from the creature to him it might be a flashback yeah i wasn't entirely sure it's like it's unclear whether this is a flashback or not i feel like the level to which he's joking around like hikaru's joking around seems more like what we see of real hikaru than what we see of creature hikaru uh, but then it does have all his memories so like maybe not i got the impression that like it was a topic he had discussed with the real hikaru before but that this part was in the present day because like while he is definitely joking around there's a certain way he says certain things that sort of feels like blunt about certain things that it doesn't feel like the old Hikaru would have said. Most specifically oh. when he tells Yoshiki, I think you've got a handsome face. That's the part that really makes me think it's the imposter because from it's what brief... the imposter. Yeah, just like the brief glimpses this... we got before it was very like, I don't think that old Hikaru ever would have sort of like had the nerve to say that or fully understand how that would come across. Uh, but also, uh, he, he mentions that it's the first time he's telling him about his bangs, even though this is something that Hikaru had brought up before. So yeah, it is the imposter. And it's just sort of like this bonus added bittersweet moments to end on of just like this should be a really cute moment, but boy, there's a lot going on. It's like, you wish these characters were in Heartstopper, but they're in a Stephen King book. Actually, considering, you know, you got the dark hair and the light hair, it is, like, in high school, it just winds up being very Heartstopper-y. It, like, in the way that you're like, this is the really fucked up supernatural version of Heartstopper. I think there's a lot more willingness to confront actual pains of being gay than Heartstopper does, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, Heartstopper's, like, cutesy. And this sort of decidedly isn't. It's it's the, the darker alternative. But, yeah. I, maybe, I haven't read the, the comic. I've watched the show, and I haven't read the comic, which feels dumb for me. The show has some very serious moments and scenes, but it is overall very, like, cutesy. Yeah. With that said, are there any other moments or topics or comments or just anything you wanted to touch on still about this comic before we wrap up for the week? I really like the way it's inked. I yeah. think the cross-hatching is really good. Like, this doesn't really have... There are some gray tones in this, but a lot of 
the shading is done via a lot of cross-hatching, and I think it looks really nice. And it adds to the moodiness of the piece. I really like the, like, whenever there's a silhouette or, like, a dark shadow, it's done via so much cross-hatching that, like, but there's still dots of light in that dark shape. It makes the dark shapes kind, you know, of just, like, people's shadows or, like, silhouettes. Like, the first the diner scene sort of ends on the on Hikaru, uh, sorry, on Yoshiki and the woman who knows about stuff silhouette. And those silhouettes kind of almost look like the stuff that makes up the Hikaru imposter because of the way that it's just shaded using cross-hatching rather than just, like, you know, Photoshop fill. Yeah. So, yeah, the inking's really cool. Really great. I like the way that... Uh, we talked about the lettering bit at the beginning, but I like the way throughout that, like, all of the speech bubbles are very irregular shapes, and then those shapes will obviously get more regular when there's, you know, more going on with the way the characters are saying things. But no matter what, they're always just this, like, they're never these neat shapes. They're always off. Yeah, like, they're always at least slightly not perfect. Yeah, uh, this it's just really fucking good. How many volumes are out? So this is the only volume that's out in America already. Volume 2 is coming in a matter of weeks. In Japan... It's up to free volumes and still going, so there will be at least four. Sweet. So there's still time to do volume two to end off Spooktober. <laughs> we might literally do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking fierce. I read this comic shortly before we were wrapping up all the X-Men stuff for the summer. And was just like, I need to talk about this. I need to talk about this. It's incredible. But I also knew we would be doing spooky October stuff. So I held out for an extra month or two for Spooktober. And I think we've started off on a good note because this comic is incredible. The problem is we've sort of topped Spooktober at the start of it. And I mean... I, I'm I'm coming in. I've got two picks for Spooktober, and I'm coming in with some pretty good stuff. I mean, one of the things I'm coming in with is fucking Hellboy, and you know that's very well regarded. But it's not. It doesn't compare to this, frankly, in my opinion. It'll at least be so different that oh, completely. <laughs> yeah, they'll still be great to talk about. But on that note, which of your spooky picks are we going to be reading next week next week we're reading dracula motherfucker like that's the name it's it's called dracula motherfucker so for people who aren't aware there you go by erica henderson with erica henderson on art which is kind of just that's why we're doing it we haven't i haven't had the occasion to talk about erica henderson yet but erica henderson is fantastic we'll do squirrel girl at some point when i want to do superheroes again but i'm kind of sick of them for now but yeah, Dracula Motherfucker is a lot of fun and is a really great example of her art. So yeah, Dracula Motherfucker. Yeah, I read it before, but it's been a long time. So 
I'm looking forward to revisiting it. I remember liking it. With that said, everyone should buy The Summer Hikaru Died because it's incredible in every way. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Excellent to each other.